it's 1989. A janitor walks into a Fortune 500 company boardroom. Shaking, he takes a seat opposite the CEO. His palms are sweaty as he surveys the executives, staring expectantly at him. Looking down at his lap, he takes a deep breath before beginning. So, I had an idea. Years later, this idea would become a household consumer brand and make this janitor a personal fortune of over $20 million. Here's the story of how it happened. Welcome to The Ideas Show, the podcast about ideas that change the world and the people that make them happen. My name is Henry Rowley, and in this episode, I'm telling a bogs-to-boardroom tale of how a first-generation immigrant janitor had a multi-billion dollar idea that would transform his life forever. It's September 1963. The California sun blazes down on a migrant labour camp where one of the workers is picking grapes. Not far away, his son, a young boy named Richard Montanez, sits by the window of a one-bedroom apartment that he shares with his mother, father, grandfather and ten siblings. His mother rushes around their tiny apartment, frantically preparing her children for school. Richard sits there silently, trying to fight back the tears. It's his first day of third grade. He's absolutely terrified. Richard can't speak a word of English and is desperately poor. The other children tease him and he can't even understand them. He bursts into tears and his mother comes over to comfort him. Why are you crying? I don't want to go to school. All the kids speak English and I can't speak even a word. His mother hugs him tightly, but persists that he must go. She wipes away Richard's tears, then... Here you go, darling. His mother places a warm foil package into his arms. The scent of rice, beans and spices warms Richard's nostrils. Wrapped tightly in the foil is a burrito for Richard's lunch. He begins to feel worried. This is the 1960s. Most of the kids in his school have never even seen a burrito before. He's embarrassed to take them in. At lunch, he sits alone and watches in silence as the other children enjoy their sandwiches, cakes and chocolates, laughing and shouting. As Richard takes out his burrito, eyes start to turn towards him. The other kids have never seen a burrito before and they can't stop looking. Embarrassed, Richard quickly shoves the burrito into his bag to hide it, then walks off to class alone. During class, the teacher asks the children what they want to be when they grow up. Hands shoot up into the air, a frenzy of excited shrieks from the children. Astronaut! Policeman! Cowboy! Richard remains silent. He had no dream that he could think of. His life is very difficult and his family focuses on just getting by with the bare minimum. There are no dreams where Richard comes from. He stares out the window in silence as the sound of his stomach rumbling is drowned out by the happy shouting of his classmates around him. When he returns home, 
Richard asks his mother. Please, could you pack me a bologna sandwich and a cupcake, like the other kids? The next morning, he stands there, waiting expectantly, as his mother frantically rushes about the apartment. As she passes by, she drops something into his hands. Two burritos. What's this? One for you and one to make a friend. As Richard makes his way into school, he starts thinking. He can't just go hungry. He's going to have to find a way to make this work. At lunch, he offers the burrito out and the other kids love it. By the end of the week, a seven-year-old Richard Montanez was selling burritos to all his classmates for 25 cents per burrito. Despite his entrepreneurial spirit, Richard struggled at school. Whilst he did stop getting teased and began to make some friends, he still struggled with his English, which led to him dropping out of school in the fourth grade. Richard spent the next few years of his life working in 30-degree heat, doing various low-paying jobs, gardening and slaughtering chickens. By the time he was 18, he had begun to work in a car wash, trying to support his family and do whatever he could to make ends meet. Richard felt stuck in this life, consigned to poverty with absolutely no escape route. That was until his neighbour approached him whilst he was working a shift. At the car wash, Richard works long hours in the blazing sun and gets paid next to nothing. But it's the best he can find. He works hard, taking any shifts that come his way and going above and beyond to do the best job he possibly can. One hot summer, Richard is wiping sweat away from his brow as he strains to wash the underbelly of a 1970s Chevrolet. When he spots his neighbour approaching, calling out to Richard. Hey, Richard. The local food company, Frito-Lay, they're hiring. You, you should check it out. Richard feels excited by the prospect of a new job, the chance to be working full-time for a big corporation. So, as soon as his shift is over, Richard makes his way down to the Southern California Frito-Lay plant. As he approaches the desk, he feels nervous and embarrassed. The receptionist is glaring at him through her glasses. I... I'm here about the, uh... the job opening. Fill this out. She shoves an application form into his hands. Richard stands there awkwardly. He can't really read or write, but doesn't want to lose this opportunity before he's even applied. After a few seconds, he has an idea. I, I'll be back later. He turns on his heel and hurries out the door, leaving the bewildered receptionist staring after him. Richard goes home to his wife and stands there, slightly out of breath, looking shy and embarrassed. Can you... can you fill this out for me, please? His wife smiles as she reaches out and touches his cheek softly. She's proud of her husband and knows how hard he works and how much this means to him. Of course. Richard then returns to the plant with his completed application in hand. As he hurries into the building, he knocks into the hiring manager. 
Richard stumbles over his words as he apologises, worry and fear growing inside him. The man looks at the receptionist, who confirms that Richard is here about the job. The manager looks down to the sheet of paper in Richard's hand and gestures for Richard to pass it over. Richard hurriedly hands him his application form, then holds his breath, trying to read the manager's blank face as he looks up and down, first at the application, then at Richard. Okay, you're hired. There and then, Richard is offered the job as janitor, earning $4 per hour. It may not sound like much, but Richard is elated. This is the most he has ever made. On his way home, he's smiling and he bumps into an old friend. Hey Richard, how are you? That sure is a big smile. What happened? I got the job, a full-time job. Oh, well done. That's amazing. So what are you going to be doing? I'm going to be a janitor. Just a janitor? Hey, there's no such thing as just a janitor. Not when you believe you're going to be the best around. And I know in my heart, I'm going to be the best janitor Frito-Lay has ever seen. Before his first day, Richard is up early and feeling slightly sick. He's nervous about starting this job. He wants to give it everything he's got and to make a great impression. As Richard finishes up his breakfast, his grandfather grabs him by the arm and pulls him aside, giving him some advice that Richard would never forget. Make sure that floor shines and let them know Montagna has mopped it. From his very first day, Richard lived up to his belief that there was no such thing as just a janitor. He'd been raised to work hard, to give everything his all. This was an exciting opportunity for Richard, and he made it a personal goal to become the greatest janitor that Frito-Lay had ever seen, and he wanted people to know it. Whenever anyone entered one of his rooms, he would make sure it was perfectly clean and smelling fresh. Richard also wanted to go above and beyond. He believed that who you know was a huge factor in success, so he made sure to be seen across the company, learning as much as he possibly could. He would spend his time researching Frito-Lay's products, marketing and manufacturing process, spending late nights in the factory, watching the machines churning out snacks. After a while, Richard began to befriend members of the sales team eventually plucking up the courage to ask if he could tag along during their sales calls, so that he could watch them sell, learn from them, and memorize their methods. Over the space of a decade, Montañez had immersed himself in the company and knew the ins and outs of its operations. He grew to love the company, and he loved its products. He'd brought the Montañez attitude to work with him every day, and, inspired by his grandfather's words, Richard had ensured that he was already far from being just a janitor. Eventually, Richard's attitude and all of his hard work would go on to transform the fortunes of Frito-Lay and life as he knew it forever. It's 1989. Frito-Lay have been struggling. 
They've had a number of new and exciting products launched over the past couple of years, but the sales have been disappointing and they're fast losing the market share they have held for so long. CEO Roger Enrico sits in the boardroom, staring at his pen whilst his fellow executives argue around him. Just give it time. These products will come good. We can't just keep churning out the products that don't work. It's a waste of money. Why do we need new products? People love our old favourites. Let's just stick with those. Enrico has a sudden thought. Hey, everyone. The room falls silent and everyone turns to look at the CEO. We need more than just this small group of people. We have 300,000 people working for us. If we can't find a good solution from them, well, well, then we need to start hiring some new people. As Enrico finishes, the executives exchange concerned looks. This is the 1980s. Things just weren't done like that. If frontline workers in factories and on site could save the business, then surely they'd be sat in this room, right? The following week, Enrico releases a recorded video message addressed to the 300,000 people working for Frito-Lay. Right, everyone. From now on, I want you all to act like an owner. If this was your company, what would you do? Richard Montañez watches this announcement with interest. He's intrigued by this message from the CEO, and he takes it very seriously. Over the next couple of weeks, Richard looks around and doesn't notice any reaction from his co-workers. After nearly a decade of mopping the floors, this, he decides, is his moment. Here's my invitation. Here's the CEO telling me, the janitor, that I can act like an owner. Somewhere inside him, that seven-year-old boy selling burritos to his classmates awaits, sensing the opportunity before him. Hello, and I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I'm your host, Henry Rowley, and if you're enjoying this story, then you'll love The A to Z of Entrepreneurship, a book that we've recently written, where we go from A to Z, telling stories much like this one of innovative ideas from unlikely places. Featuring the likes of Amazon, Sony, and Disney, we uncover some of the most fascinating employee ideas of all time. This book will be available from April 2021. If you're interested in securing a copy, send us an email to podcast at theideasshow.com. Now we'll rejoin the episode where Richard Montañez is about to notice something that will change his life forever. Richard's favorite snack has always been Cheetos a customer favourite Frito-Lay product. However, having grown up in a Latino family, Richard's taste is very much influenced by his mother's cooking and the vast array of spices that she and his family have always used. 
When shopping in his local supermarket, Richard goes to grab a packet of his favourite snack. He stops suddenly as he notices. Right next to the section with all of Frito-Lay products is the spice section. He can't help but be taken aback by the stark contrast of the two sections. All of Frito-Lay's products are completely plain. There's absolutely nothing that appeals to the traditional flavours of the Latino community. Richard pays for his Cheetos and leaves the store. But he can't get that image of the plain product out of his head. As he walks home, Enrico's voice rings in his head. Act like an owner. A few weeks later, Montañez is walking along a busy California road when he notices a street vendor selling elote. Elote is a Mexican street corn covered in chili powder, salt, lime juice and various spices. He stands waiting for his elote in hungry anticipation. The bustling street rushes past him as the spicy scent fills his nostrils. Suddenly, a thought hits him. What if I put chili on a Cheeto? The Latino market is ready to explode. But there's nothing hot and spicy that Frito-Lay have to offer. So, during one of his late nights in a company factory watching the machines, Richard scoops up a handful of plain Cheetos that haven't yet been dusted with the famous cheese flavoring. He brings them home with him that night, and as he empties them onto the table, his wife looks at him, confused and slightly concerned. Are you allowed to take these? You could get into trouble for this, Richard. Yes, yes, it's fine. They won't notice a thing. Look, I have an idea. You know a lote? What if there was that kind of flavouring on a Cheeto snack? Richard's wife is silent for a couple of moments. You know what? I think you might be onto something here. They work together on recreating the flavour of elote with various home spices, adding a few secret ingredients of their own for an extra spark. The next evening, Richard and his wife invite friends and family over for dinner. As people arrive, they're offered drinks and begin to chat. Richard and his wife then start handing out their new invention to their friends and family as a pre-dinner snack. It's a huge success. Enthusiastically, everyone starts asking. Wow, Richard, what did you put in these? These are amazing. Do you have any more? Where can we get some? As compliments pour in from his friends and family, a sense of excitement and pride begins to bubble away inside Richard's stomach. Or maybe it's just the chili spice. Either way, this was the moment he realized that this could really be something special. His only problem is that he needs more people to see this. And not just more people, but the right people. As a janitor with no experience of the hierarchy of a Fortune 500 corporation, Richard was completely naive as to the natural order of things. To him, he had been asked to act like an owner by the CEO. So, he decided to do exactly that. The next day at work, Richard walks over to the factory phone 
He picks it up and calls up the CEO's office. A receptionist answers the phone and Montañez asks if he can speak to Roger Enrico. After a slight pause, the receptionist says, of course. The phone rings a few times before Richard is put through to the CEO's executive assistant. Mr. Enrico's office, he's speaking. Richard Montañez. What division are you in? California. You're the VP overseeing California? No, I, uh, I work at the Rancho Cucamonga. Oh, so you're the VP of operations? No, I, I work inside the plant. You're the plant manager? No, I'm, uh, I'm the janitor. There's a very long pause. One moment. Then, on the other end of the line, Richard hears a voice. Hello, this is Roger. Montañez explains that he's calling in response to the CEO's request to his employees to act like an owner. Montañez tells him that he's studied the products and identified a huge gap in the market. He explains that he's even gone to the extent of developing his own sample snack in his kitchen at home. Enrico listens quietly as the janitor talks excitedly about his idea and the snack he's developed at home. Eventually, Richard's voice trails off and he waits for the CEO to respond. Enrico is surprised, but he's also extremely impressed by Richard's initiative. And he's intrigued. Okay, Richard. I'll be at the plant in two weeks. Can you prepare a presentation for your idea to be ready then? Yes. Uh, yes, of course. Thank you, Mr. Enrico. The line goes silent. As Richard puts the phone back, he spots the red-faced plant manager charging towards him. Fists clenched, face screwed up in rage, he begins to yell at Montañez. What do you think you're doing? Who let the janitor call the CEO? You're doing this presentation by yourself. I want nothing to do with it. At this point, Richard was 26 years of age. He could barely read or write and had absolutely no business experience beyond tagging along with members of the Frito-Lay sales team. The concept of a business proposal was completely foreign to him. But he was Richard Montañez. He was the boy that had sold burritos to his classmates. He was the janitor who tagged along on sales calls and spent his nights learning the ins and outs of the factory. He was not about to give up. With his wife by his side, Montañez went to the local library and found a book on marketing strategies. He copied the first two pages word for word using a transparencies copier. At home, he filled 100 different baggies with his homemade treats, using a clothing iron to seal each one. He then took the time to manually hand draw a logo and design onto each and every one of his packages. By the time the day of the presentation arrives, Montañez has bought his first ever tie. A $3 tie adorned with blue and red stripes, which his neighbour knots for him. Richard gathers up his case and his presentation, ready to leave the house. 
He can see his hands shaking and the tie is clutching at his throat, making it hard for him to breathe. As he nears the door, his wife stops him. Don't forget who you are. Richard sits alone in a comfortable chair outside the executive boardroom. He runs a finger around his collar in an attempt to loosen his tie. He can feel sweat forming on his forehead, butterflies in his stomach. There's the sound of a telephone ring and the receptionist opposite him picks up the phone. They're ready for you. Richard looks up at her, holding his breath. He smiles nervously at the receptionist as he stands up. He walks slowly towards the door, then pauses. He feels hot and nervous. His vision starts to blur. He takes a moment to compose himself. After a deep breath, Montañez pushes the door open. Here he is, a janitor presenting to some of the most highly esteemed executives in the United States of America. He begins. So, I had an idea. Before long, Richard is in full swing and feeling more and more comfortable with each word. He does his best not to think about the blank-faced, suited executives before him. As Richard nears the end of his presentation, one of the executives interrupts. How much market share do you think you can get? It suddenly dawns on the janitor that he has absolutely no idea what this man is talking about. His nerves begin to consume him, and he feels as though he may pass out. After a couple of seconds, Richard turns to face the executive, opening his arms out as wide as he can. Uh, this much? The room falls silent. All eyes turn towards the CEO. After a moment, Roger Enrico stands up, smiles and says, Ladies and gentlemen, do you realise that Mr. Montañez is giving us the opportunity to go after this much market share? As he stretches out his arms to match Richard, the room breaks out in smiles, breathing a collective sigh of relief. He then turns to Richard. Put that mop away. You're coming with us. Richard's idea was launched in 1992 under the brand name Flamin' Hot Cheetos. The snack is now a multi-billion dollar product and one of America's most beloved snacks. Before Richard's idea for Flamin' Hot Cheetos, there were only three different flavors of Cheetos. Today, there are more than 20, each worth over $300 million. Montañez rose through the ranks of the corporate world and became the vice president of multicultural sales at Frito-Lay's holding company, PepsiCo. Richard has amassed himself a personal fortune of around $20 million. Montañez has also since become an author and tours the United States, giving keynote speeches and motivational talks. He still lives in his hometown, where he has created a non-profit for his community, and he teaches MBA classes at the nearby community college. One of his students once asked him, how is he able to teach 
without a PhD. I do have a PhD, he responded. I've been poor, hungry, and determined. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Ideas Show. Exact conversations can't be 100% accurate, but the story has been told to the best of our research. If you know of any stories that you'd love to hear us tell on The Ideas Show, then drop us an email to podcast at theideasshow.com. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time.